Hello there, podcast world. We are back again with our second part of our special Valentine's Day special. Uh, Ryan and Tanya have already done theirs, and now Mandy is here with me to do ours. And so just to share a little bit of intro before we dive into this uh, special Valentine's Day podcast, uh, Mandy and I have been married uh, just a little over 25 years now. Uh, We have four boys, uh, ranging from... 18 to 11. Yes, yes. And so, uh, obviously, 25 years, quarter of a century, we've been through a lot over the years. Um, and I th- would say that we both have probably grown a lot over the years. And one of the questions that was posed to us just to think through um, that a lot of marriages, probably one area that people would say would like work on is just for conflict resolution and how how to how to improve and how to do better in that area and so we've got 25 years of conflict uh that we can go over and uh i mean especially thinking about how how we handled conflict maybe the beginning of our marriage is probably in some ways different than today um i would say uh i think i have changed in a lot of ways because i um, i would always was always in retreat mode uh I'm getting the head nod from Mandy, so I'm making sure I'm tracking right here, uh, that I, I was an avoider of conflict. I did not like, I still don't like conflict, but, um, so I was an avoider a lot. And so when there was conflict, I was the one that would always, um, be quiet and retreat and not say a lot. And so I think that added for you frustration in that because I would get quiet, uh, and would not work on any resolution at all. Agreed? Yes. And I am a verbal sparrer. So females with lots of words and often cutting words. So at the beginning, um, I was on the defense and you were on the offense, I would say. No, the reverse. I was on the offense and you were on the defense. So that created a lot of issues too. And for me, I saw non-response as not caring, and that's changed over the years. Now I see your non-response as self-control. I would also say that my, I think one of the things that we kind of learned in our conflict resolution skills is like to understand ourselves better. Like I had to learn that part of the things that was going on with me when I would retreat and not say anything is I am, like I have to mentally process things. And I wouldn't necessarily, I knew I had things to say, but I didn't know how to say it or how to go about saying that. And so I do remember one time that you and I were like, I just said, I've got things for you. I just don't have it sorted in my head yet to get it out to you. And so I'm not ignoring you. Like I had to communicate, like there's almost like pre-communication that was going on there that I had to say, Hey, um, I have thoughts. I do care. I just, I'm not ready to I'm still processing and working through it. And so like I had to communicate, I need a little bit of time to process. And I think that helped you to know that I'm not ignoring the situation that I just need a little time. But then that also forced me to say, I've got to say something, right? I can't just keep it in forever. I've got to say something, what I am processing, processing and what I am thinking. Yeah, I would agree with that. It has helped us both realize Maybe we weren't healthy in our processes um, and 
to work through that and communicate with each other. I'm not saying something right now because if I say something, I'll sin against you. So I need a moment that's helped us to communicate before the communication. Right. And I, I remember something early on in our marriage too, that, um, I remember we, I remember where you were standing, like in the hallway of our house in Olathe and I was in the living room and we were having a conflict and just out of pure frustration, I mean, it wasn't a stroke of genius. It was just out of, in that moment for me, just pure frustration that I just said, look, honey, I'm on your side. And like, I could tell for you that just changed your whole demeanor that I think a lot of times what happens in conflict is like, we are not in conflict with each other, right? There's an issue out here. That's the conflict. Like there's something going on. There's a topic, there's an issue. And, and, and what it becomes is we start to attack each other and instead of the issue. Right. And I think when I, I mean, I would like to hear what it was for you in that moment when I said, Hey, I'm on your side here. Like at that point, like some barriers broke down and we were able to work out the situation together. Yeah. I would agree that a lot of times there's that that barrier that you think I'm, I'm right or you're right, but we both can't be right and headed in the same direction. And for us, we often are trying to head in the same direction, but we are totally missing the point. We're missing how to communicate about it well. Um, and we forget that it's, it's, it's not as important as being on the same side and knowing we are trying to get in the same direction together. We're both working at the same thing and we're coming about it in a way that is missing each other. Right, right. That is not you versus me mm -hmm. that, Hey, let's work on this together. Let's get our focus back on the issue or the problem and not each other and not you're right. I'm right. Let's both come to a place where we're both right and we can work this out together. And that's really important. You know, I think one of the things that actually I in I'm in taking counseling classes and um, I just got done taking a marriage counseling class. And one of the things that you and I have even talked about is he talks the it was really helpful for me to hear the professor talks about there's a difference between uh, content and process. The content is the issue that you're arguing about. But the process is what's the emotion behind what you're feeling and dealing with uh, in that moment, right? And those are two different things. And a lot of times, we, I think especially for guys, we are very content-oriented. Let's fix the problem. Here's the problem. Let's fix it. And I think one of the things that we've even been doing recently that I've you know, have asked you, like, so how is this making you feel? Like, how are you processing this? What, are you, what is this causing you to think? Um, and I think that's been a, a new wrinkle for us in some conflict issues. Yeah. And I would say that that goes, it also goes all the way back to the beginning. Like when you remember standing in the hall, you do not remember what we were talking about. I bet it wasn't the content. It was the process of the frustration and trying to be on the same page and trying to go in the same direction and realizing how much we're missing each other. <laughs> it's the process that can often be frustrating. And the only thing you think about at the moment is the content, but the process is almost more important. Right, right. And I think that's good advice, you know, for any married couple to say when you're in the middle of a conflict to kind of stop and step back and say, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Why do I feel hurt or why do I feel anxious or why do I feel angry or, or why do I feel sad? What is going on here that's making me feel this way? And ask that of 
each other of your spouse to say, what, let's, let's really dig a little bit deeper here and find out what's really going on in the heart of the person instead of what is just the issue that is going on. Because a lot of times when you hear the heart, that helps you actually understand the issue itself better. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, you know, thinking about, I mean, 25 years is, is a little bit of time. Um, maybe to think about what would you say is like, what has God graced you the most in your growth over the last 25 years? I know I have one that I'm thinking about for me. Um, so do you want me to go first? Yes. Okay. Um, so I remember this was a, uh, like, this was a real fundamental shift for me. I, one of the things I think early on in our marriage, I realized is just how selfish I am. And, uh, I remember reading, uh, John Piper's book, uh, desiring God has a section on marriage in it. And the phrase that he said, he was talking about Ephesians 5 in the marriage passage of husbands and wives. And he paraphrased uh, the husband section where it says, husbands, love your wives as you, as you love your own body. And he said, uh, husbands, make um, find your joy in the joy of your beloved. Now, basically, he said, whatever makes your wife happy should make you happy too. And make that your goal and find happiness in that. And I read that and that just, that really struck me. Like one, it made me realize like how selfish I had been early on in our marriage that think, no, you are supposed to make me happy. Uh, and that's an expectation that is not very realistic to hit. Uh, and then to realize, no, my should be finding my joy in the joy of my beloved that when I find ways to bring you joy, that's going to bring me joy too. And really what the bottom line that is, is that service. Like, how can I serve you well? How can I serve you well in our family, in our home, in our day-to-day -day life? Um, and being intentional and mindful of that. And I feel like I probably do some of my better husband work when I'm living that truth out. And, and when I start thinking that way, where I'm putting you first, and that putting you first is actually something that can bring me joy too. And so I think that was a real fundamental shift moment for me in our marriage. Yeah, I would agree with that, that I noticed a shift when that verse impacted you. So I think for me, uh, I specifically remember a time when I realized that my tongue was an area where I needed to learn to respect you more and felt convicted that, um, I needed to be walking by the Holy spirit more. So, um, I remember, um, that it starts with the thought. So trying to bring every thought captive when we were in the middle of a heated discussion or an argument that I would pray that the Lord would help me walk by the spirit and keep every thought captive and to guard my tongue against sinning against you. And so that's when I remember asking for moments, um, instead of lashing out with words, um, saying I need a moment because if I keep talking, I'm going to sin against you. <laughs> So give me the time I need for the Holy Spirit to work in me so that I don't sin against you. So, um, and trying to be respectful in that way. So I think my heart's desire has always been to follow the word and wanting to be a wife who respects her husband. 
um, but not exactly knowing what that looked like. So just having the Holy Spirit work in me over the years to, to ask you questions. What does respect look like when we're in the middle of an argument? Do I share my thoughts and feelings or not? And how do I do that in an appropriate way that respects you, but still, um, am able to, it's not always easy for me to express how I'm feeling or thinking, or sometimes it's way too easy. So the middle ground is not the easiest for me personally. I tend to be very communicative or not at all, (laughs) but the middle ground of being uh, respectful in the way that I communicate is definitely an area I've seen growth in. Yeah. I think one area where I think the Lord has grown us both in, I would say early on in our marriage, we probably had some role reversals taking place where I was more passive in leadership and you were more assertive in leadership. Uh, and I think that part of that is probably personality makeup a little bit. And I think that one of the things that the Lord has worked in both of us is to realize that, you know, I can't placate my leadership role that I need to take a more active role in that setting the tone in our marriage, in our family, in our home. And for you to follow that, I think the Lord has really done a work in both of us over the years, uh, in, in that area too, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that. So one of the questions that we were asked was, um, what is it like to come from two very different backgrounds? And, um, Jim and I do come from two very different backgrounds. So we both have two parent families, but that's about where the similarities end. Um, we both were church going, but different, um, denominations of churches. And then when we met, and we're married, we were from very different denominational backgrounds. And so spiritually, we um, understood the gospel slightly differently, even Um, came from different backgrounds in that direction. Food wise, we came from very different backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds were um, extremely different. Uh, So we have a variety of history with a lot of areas as far as background goes. So we did not grow up in the same hometowns, a lot of different differences in our background. So Jim, how would you say that, um, came to play out in our early marriage and then how we made adjustments or worked together to find what our marriage looks like now? Right. I think that, I think one good thing that we did is I think we really, you know, in Genesis where it says leave and cleave, and become one flesh. I think we both did that in a pretty healthy way. I think we both left well uh, and came together to our marriage. Like, I don't think, yeah, I think that we, like, we went to each other's first. We didn't go to our parents first and say, this has happened and this is going on. And I think we saw the importance that, no, this is our marriage and this is us. And so whether, even when it's hard, we are going to work together on us. And so I think that was one of the really good things that we did is I think that, um, we did do that leave and cleave. I think that, um, I think one thing I remember for you is I think that because you had kind of a rough family dynamic, that trust was a harder issue for you that I didn't even realize like that you had, you had a harder time trusting me than I even knew that you had a hard time trusting me and that there was that it took a longer time for you to trust, to kind of let your guard down because of some of the things that you grew up in your family and the dynamic that was there. 
that made it hard for you to trust. And I didn't necessarily pick up on that. And so I think that was one area that I saw where, um, where there were some differences in our backgrounds and coming together. And I was kind of more oblivious to it. And maybe I just wasn't sensitive enough to those things to really think through, like, am I making sure that I'm, I'm creating a secure environment for you to trust in? And I think one of the things I appreciate about you is that you're a quick learner. So as soon as you realize that, um, that like, say as a child, I'd been yelled at quite a bit, you do not raise your voice. Like you don't, you make that a line that you don't cross. And so for me, that's always been a place where you've created that safety for me. Um, you know, we had a conversation really early on that set a boundary. And I think you responded right away to that, that you understood that made me feel unsafe. And so therefore you never did it again. Like you were a very quick learner, um, a student of who I am and what makes me feel safe and what doesn't. And again, that's, we came from very different backgrounds in that way. Um, I was not as quick of a learner. So there were certain ways that we would communicate with each other in conflict that really bothered you. And it took me years and years to figure out to stop doing those things that, um, so I appreciated the fact that you were a quick learner in who, what made me feel safe. Um, I would say food has been an issue for us. Like we came from very different food backgrounds. So whether you eat processed food or homemade food or whether you eat out very often or not very often at all was an, a significant conflict early on, um, especially in the years where money was really tight at the beginning that um, we had to communicate quite a bit about what our expectations were for food and well, and finances too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a big financial financial issue as well because, yeah, so there are a lot of differences when you start thinking about what you bring together. And I do think it's a lot about, I mean, I mean, it's a lot about communication, right? Like I've learned in 25 years of marriage that you never master the art of communication and that you're always learning. In some seasons, you're going to be better at it than others, but it is really important that you continue to talk through, especially early on, you're going to need to talk through because I think a lot of times you come into a marriage with an expectation and you don't communicate those expectations. And then when they're not met, you can get very upset. And so I think it is really important when you're bringing differences together that you just communicate those expectations so that then you can be able to work about work them out and that you understand each other better in that and, and make adjustments that need to be made. So maybe just a couple other things that I, just as I've been thinking about this is uh, one of the things I think is like really helpful, I would say in thinking about the husband and leading is uh, to lead in devotions with your wife. I think that is one area that I was really weak in early on in our marriage. I did not do that. And actually I was at a, I remember going to a pastor's conference and uh, Francis Chan was on the stage with all these other pastors, right? And they, the question was posed, you know, how, what do family, what do, what do devotions look like for you as a husband and wife? And Francis Chan said, well, I do mine and, and she does hers. And sometimes we talk about it. And on this stage in front of thousands of pastors, they correct him in front of everybody and say, dude, you need to stop doing that. You, well, I don't think John Paper said dude, but um, they said, you need to stop doing that. You need to do devotions with your wife daily. And like, you're sitting here going, oh my goodness, we're watching him take correction 
like in front of all of us, like we shouldn't be here. It felt a little awkward in that moment. And I remember thinking when I went home, I thought, wow, if they thought it was so important to call Francis Chain out in front of thousands of pastors, um, I need to take note of this because uh, it's that important. It is that important. And I came home and told you that, and we started doing um, devotions before we went to bed at night. And it's not always every night. It's not always regular. But I think that you had expressed how much that means to you. And I don't know if you want to speak into that a little bit. Yeah, it it made my heart sing. Like, um, so I think that women who read the word want to be washed in the word. And I was that woman. I wanted to be, I wanted you to pray for me and with me and read the word with me. And so that, it just made my heart very happy to to know that that was your desire too. Yeah. And it's nothing like much, right? It's not very long. Usually it's probably around five minutes or so, but we do, we spend time that, I mean, we're using John Piper's solid joys devotions that you can get his app for, and it probably takes three minutes to read. And then we spend a couple of minutes praying. And yet I do find that that's really good and healthy and right for us to do. And I think it's been very beneficial uh, for us. And so that would be something that I would encourage husbands with is to say, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. You don't feel like you have to read, you know, three chapters of the Bible every night. You don't even have to read a whole chapter. You don't, I mean, just find a devotion, find something that edifies the two of you together. Because I think we've kind of done a little trial and error where we've read some things we liked better than others. And so if we didn't like something, we set it aside and we would find something else that we would like. And, um, and I just think that that's good that when you are spiritually together, I think that sets up for you just to have, uh, that oneness between the two of you to be stronger, I would say. And you're super gracious with me. Like I've, fall asleep at least once a week and a three minute devotion. So like, I know you are super gracious too. And I'm trying to learn, like, do I need to sit up because I'm that tired that night? Or right. what do I need to do to stay alert for the next few minutes? So, right. And that's something I have to learn too, that I know that you um, get tired earlier in the night than I do. And so that's something for me to learn too, is like, I need to learn to say, okay, I need to make sure to do this early so that you don't have to have that problem. And I think that's a lot in marriage, right? Is a lot of like, how do we work together on this? You know, it's not just you sitting up so that you don't fall asleep. It's also me being mindful of you of saying, okay, how can I make sure to, uh, to, to, to have it so that you don't have to fight that yeah. temptation to fall asleep? Well, and you're really gracious too that, like you don't take that, you know, one, the one time I fell asleep the first time you were like, oh, well, she doesn't like this. I'm not going to ever do it again. Like you're still persistent enough to realize this is the right thing to do. How can we continue to make it better and make it work well? Right. Right. Cause that's not fair for me to say to you, Hey, well, you just need to be a night person like me because you're not wired that way. And that's putting unfair expectations on you to do something that you're not wired for. Right. And so it says, okay, where do we, where do we serve one another? Well, in this way. So any other thing you want to share on that or any other thoughts? No, I'm good. 
All right, so let's let's talk about something a little bit fun here. I know Ryan uh, talked about date nights and whatnot, and I think one of the things that has been really fun for us is to find, like, we find common interests to do together, even though it was something that we never had any interest in before. Like, I've watched way more musicals and Downton Abbey. I think I've watched every episode of every season of Downton Abbey with you to enjoy spending time with you and to see uh, the things that you enjoy to know you better. And you had not seen a single star Wars movie or could care less about football uh, before you met me. And so I think one of the things that I really enjoy about us is that we, I mean, kind of that wanting to find joy in the joy in the beloved is finding joy in the joy in the things that each other likes, like going to quilt shows and, is it show? Is that the right phrase? Yep. Okay. Um, you know, and like, I didn't even know those things really existed until I met you. And yet I think that we find joy in being able to enjoy each other's things and to see how each other reacts in those moments and enjoy that with them. Yeah. I, I think that's been a grand blessing for both of us to reciprocate trying new things and finding ways to connect together. I would say, um, another thing that we, um, have been just gifted by the Lord to make, pay attention to something is to just set up, um, Ebenezer stones of his faithfulness. And so we, we rehearse his goodness to us. So we'll talk about how has God been faithful in the last year? And we'll, we'll have these moments that we can rehearse and talk about and remember his faithfulness. And I think we have years of that, like year after year, we can retell the story of how much he has provided for our needs, that he has grown us in ways that we didn't anticipate or understand um, before. Right. Yeah. We do like to look back and say, Hey, what has the Lord done in us? Uh, You know, we do think of how has God been faithful? How has he provided for us? We like to tell stories like that and rehearse those and remember, hey, remember when the Lord provided, you know, whether it be at Joel's birth or meeting needs for like moving to Fremont or how he met financial needs or other health needs or things of that nature, just how he's been good in those things. Yeah. And those fun. And we get to celebrate those things together and share about them together and think those through those things together. So we got asked kind of a follow-up question about some of those unique things that we have done that we never thought that each other that we would do. Um, and I remember for one of our anniversaries, we went to Iowa and saw, I think, all the bridges of Madison County um, is something that I never thought that I would do. Uh, but that's something that we did together and had a, a fun time just enjoying that. Uh, and so that's one thing I thought of. When we were newly married, we were probably the youngest people at the bed and breakfast. Like we would literally go and sneak away and have a weekend at a bed and breakfast. And we would be like in our twenties or early thirties and everybody else there was in their fifties or sixties. And so just doing unique things like that to try and intentionally spend time together, even though it wasn't like what our age group was doing at all. It was really a blessing for us to just be able to go to a small town and, and be together that way. 
And we, yeah, we were really always the youngest ones at the table at the morning for bed and breakfast. So that was a fun remembering. Yeah, I would think, like, I remember taking you to, like, some of your first, uh, like, Nebraska Cornhusker football games. And that was something that was totally new and different that you had never experienced before. And watching you experience that and enjoying that when you didn't even know a lot of the rules of football and yet for you to be there and be a part of that I thought was pretty fun too yeah I always ask questions about why why are they going that direction now or which what does that flag even mean what did they I didn't see anything that looked weird why would they throw that flag so I ask a lot of questions and he's super kind to answer my questions um I would say that I would never step foot in a comic book store if it wasn't for Jim (laughs) And the boys. And so <laughs> toys from the past. Like There's a great toy store in Lincoln that has all sorts of great retro toys in it, by the way. There's a free plug for them. And so I would, you know, go there and listen to Jim tell stories about how he used that specific toy to play when he was a kid. So just like we are a storytelling family. We like to talk about... Um, what was important to us. And so he would tell me how he used this robot to fight against his, his superheroes. And it's just super fun to, to hear those stories. So I would miss a lot of that if it wasn't for, for Jim. Yeah, that's probably true that you probably would never have gone into a comic book store before, but I like, I remember going to like a quilt show once and like, like I was like, okay, I'm going to find what I think is the coolest quilt in this place. And I'm also going to try to figure out what quilt Mandy would like the most. And so I tried to like make a game out of it. Like I made it like competitive, like, okay, I'm going to look at 120 quilts today here. I'm going to see if I can figure out which one she likes the most. And if anybody wants to see that picture of Jim with the quilt that he liked the most, I have that one. Oh yeah, I did. I said, this is it. This is the one. I like to take photographs. So we have some awkward, weird, funny photographs. And that's, that's another I, we actually have a scrapbook album of when we were dating and I haven't finished it. Like I try and do one or two pages every year or so. Um, so I haven't even finished them. So we have some fun, awkward pictures of us dating. I don't know about you. I am always awkward. So <laughs> me too. But I just think this has been really, really good to just like know each other. Well, take the time to study your spouse and know each other. Well, And then also know yourself well. Like there's a lot of self-growth that takes place in marriage as well because I think we think we know ourselves well, but the reality is is we are always learning self-discovery too. And so the more that you learn about yourself and about your spouse, that's going to help you grow relationally and then always centering it in on the gospel too. I've said this before and I'll maybe wrap up with this. I do my best work as a husband Uh, when I am daily spending time with the Lord. Uh, And when I'm not doing that, I am usually at my worst as a husband. And so there is a great correlation there that says when know God, know your spouse, and know yourself. I think those three things are so super important. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed our special Valentine's Day edition of the podcast. I'm guessing we will be back next week uh, hitting uh, the Book of Acts again and back to Ryan and I here. And But we're glad that you have joined us uh, for this special edition. (laughs) 